I know I say this a lot when I'm up here, but this is a great view. <laughs> and this moment right here too, seeing all the kids heading to their class, or classes, there's more than, more than one of them. But uh, welcome if you haven't been welcomed already today. We have arrived at week three of our Advent series, and today's theme is joy. There's even a new little sign right over there that says joy. That's for today. And as I was thinking and preparing for this particular Sunday of Advent, my thoughts were shooting out in a number of different directions. There's so many different things that we can think about and do think about when we think about this idea of joy. And then there's the fact that it's a more specific joy because of Advent, because of the arrival, specifically the arrival of Jesus. And I was going back and forth about just how to start this today. There's so many ways, right? I could start with a story. I could start with a definition. I could start with something descriptive or I could ask a question. I could start with a passage of scripture. And of course, we're gonna get to the scriptures. I could start with a joke. And in the midst of all these thoughts, I thought of a question. And so the question, at least the first one I thought of is, who here could use a little joy? And I thought if I asked that question actually, that everybody's hand would probably go up. I think we could all use a little joy. And so I put a little joy on every single one of your chairs. <laughs> that was me. But, but that's a great verse in Nehemiah 8, I think it's verse 10, that talks about how the joy of the Lord is our strength. So that's just a little joy, right? And the sign over there is a, a, a bigger joy. And we're going to be talking about joy. But that's just a little something for you on everybody's chair. And that's a good start. But I also came across... Another question that I thought was very thoughtful about this idea of joy, and it's this. Do you have joy in your journey, or has your journey knocked the joy out of you? I guess that's two questions, actually. Do you have joy in your journey, or has your journey knocked the joy out of you? And as we approach Christmas, we often hear about what a joyful season it is. I was even connecting with one of our subcontractors, just catching up on some things on the open project here, and he was just talking about how joyful this season is for him. And so because it's joyful, we sometimes try to cram the non-joyful stuff down and push the other feelings aside. And if we don't feel joyful, we might even try even harder to create some new joy in some way or toss our troubles aside or ignore our struggles or just live for the moment or in the moment. But that's not what the joy of Christmas is all about. The joy offered to us in Jesus this Advent season, it's different. It's one of a, a deep and abiding joy. And it's a joy so powerful that it can hold its own in the darkness and in a hurting world and in the midst of all our struggles and our troubles. I'll be completely honest with you. I am not always the most joyful person, just to be honest. And when I think about it, as I was this week, I think that's because I so often try to make things about me. I'm very good at making things about me. I've often joked that one of my pet peeves is not necessarily the way people drive in general, but the way they drive when they're directly in front of me. Um, that is honestly one of my biggest pet peeves in life. But that is not something that reveals my joy, not at all, and that's not a good thing. My wife, on the other hand, she is so 
filled with so much joy all the time, every day, every morning, every night. And the joy that is in her, it overflows to people around her. Chantel is an awesome example of joy. All three of my children are kids. They're also great examples of people who have and who bring so much joy into the world, the world around them and around others, all three of them. And I'm pretty sure they get that from my wife, <laughs> from her example, from her love, from the way she lives her life. Uh, Chantel even has a sign hanging on our kitchen above the oven. It says, choose joy. It's been there for years now. And it's an, often re- it, it, it's a, an awesome reminder, but it's often something that I forget to do especially when that person's driving the way they're driving right in front of me. Um, The Bible's full of verses and passages that speak about joy. It was hard thinking about what to grab today, but I was drawn back to the Christmas story. And in the Christmas story, we find this idea too, this idea of joy. So in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, that's where our main passage is going to be today. And we find the Christmas story, and as you turn there in your Bibles or you open your device or you bookmark that with your finger or whatnot, the first part of this, uh, for part of this story, we hear this idea that says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's the main part of that passage that I was drawn to. Not just a little joy, like the one on your chair or in my pocket. (laughs) Not just a sign of joy but it says a great joy. And that sentence, it's part of this larger story that Luke tells. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12, we read this, our main passage for today. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. God's words for us through Luke from chapter 2. Have you ever thought about entering into the Christmas story? I mean, really putting yourself in there like putting yourself into their sandals, we might say, not shoes. (laughs) And if so, who would you be if you know the Christmas story and all the characters involved? Would you be Zechariah or Elizabeth? Would you want to be Mary or Joseph? A wise man or a woman? A doubting king? A busy innkeeper? How about an angel or one of the shepherds? Today, I want us to enter into the Christmas story just a little bit through the eyes of the shepherds. And back in this time, shepherds were not looked upon as upstanding citizens. Uh, They were outcasts in many ways, actually. If you start looking it up, they were kind of the bottom rung of the social ladder. They were viewed as uneducated, unskilled, uh, even a lot of times as dishonest and unreliable people. They were not allowed into the synagogues because they were considered unclean. They were not allowed to be witnesses in a court of law. Shepherds were really the outcasts and the overlooked people by their society. But here in the Christmas story, 
we read that it was shepherds that the angel of the Lord first appeared to, bringing this glorious news to all of mankind. Think about it. It calls it a good news of great joy given to a small band of shepherds by this heavenly host of angels. Why? Why shepherds? Why not appear to kings or priests or prophets? Why not appear to the Pharisees? Or in this day, the presidents, right, of different countries. If you were going to announce the greatest news in all of history, who would you go to first? Shepherds. It's really kind of surprising if you think about it. But I've learned that God often acts in very surprising ways to us. And his word is full of surprises. We even find surprises in the Christmas story. And if we think about it, Christmas time itself is a time of surprises. I read about this one and I wanted to share. One day a woman, was, she was preparing her Christmas cookies in her house, right? There's a knock at the door and she goes to the door. And there was a man there going door to door looking for some odd jobs to earn a little extra money. And so she asked him, can you paint? He said, yes, I'm a pretty good painter. She said, well, I have a couple gallons of green paint and there's a porch out back that needs some paint. If you do a good job, I'll pay you what the job is worth. He said, fine, I'll, I'll get that done and I'll try to get it done quickly. And she went back to her cookie making and she didn't think much of it until a little bit later there was another knock at her door. And when she opened it, it was obvious that he'd been painting. There's some paint on him and on his clothes and on his shoes. And she said, did you finish already? And he said, yes. And she said, did you do a good job? And he said, yes, but I need to point out one thing to you. That's not a Porsche back there. That's a Mercedes. <laughs> uh, I had to, sorry. But uh, that's, that's not the kind of surprise we want in our life, right? Not at all. But Christmas itself, it really is a time of surprises. If you think about it through, think about the gifts, the waiting, the packages, all wrapped up, kind of hiding what's in them, right? And sometimes we even hide the gifts themselves and bring them out another time. And that makes us think about the expectancy that people have, the building up of that, the unknown that people go through with the gifts. And so what? Well, as Luke continues this story, he, he'll tell us later that after the shepherds heard the angels, they went with haste to Bethlehem, it says. They went to see what the angels had just announced to them. And you want to hear something very interesting in these verses? I was going to say that I noticed, but that was pointed out in something that I read, and I thought this was awesome. In these verses, giving the announcement from the angels, the word you is spoken four times. And I'll read this again. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will, be, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Luke 2, verses 10 through 12. Four times this first-person pronoun that we know is used. The message that is given to these outcast shepherds, it is a first-person announcement. The angels didn't say, go tell the king, 
go tell the priests or the religious leaders or the other rulers. The angel said, you. And again, it's kind of surprising. But this is a very cool thing for even us today to realize. Dan, I've brought you good news of great joy. Lori, a Savior has been born to you. John, I have a sign for you. Susan, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Don't we get it? This story isn't just for the masses. It's for you, and it's for me. Four times in these verses, the angel makes it known that this amazing, really awesome, super great news, this shout it from the rooftops and mountaintops news, it's not just for the elite in the society. It's for you, and it's for me. It's for everyone. And verse 10 says that it is a good news that will cause great joy. And we even hear in Scripture that it's a joy that causes all of creation to celebrate. But what if you just don't feel joyful this season? There's plenty of expectation and busyness, but there's also stress and darkness in our world. And all of this can distract us from our joy. I think we all know that. So how can you receive this joy in the midst of everything that you're going through, whether it be suffering or loneliness, some kind of pain or grief or loss, whether it's just the stress and busyness, whether it's boredom. So I want us to look together at how we can, and the way I put this in the notes, is anticipate, behold, and choose joy. Those are what I'm going to call, yes, I did it, the ABCs of joy. Anticipate, behold, and choose. The shepherds, I think, are an example of anticipating this joy. At least they get there. Because initially, they were kind of oblivious, just doing their work out in the fields. And then the sky lit up with angels and a voice and a message about the Messiah. And those shepherds did not immediately feel joy. Not at all. Luke tells us they were terrified. <laughs> they were scared. That's in verse 9. And so God's messenger first had to address their fear and then help them move beyond it to receive the message of joy that the Savior of the world had been born. And spoiler, spoiler alert, by the, end of, by the end of the night, they got it. Because we'll read later in verse 20 that... That they returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So later they get it, but they had to get to the point, to the place of being able to recognize and receive the joy that they were being told about. They had this encounter, an encounter literally with God's messengers, and they received the message. And this helped them move past their fear and get to the place where they were ready to recognize or behold God's joy. It's in that readiness that they're now anticipating it. They were going to go to Bethlehem to see it. They were going to start that journey and go on their way. They hadn't gotten there yet. It's coming. But they hadn't actually seen it yet. That's the anticipation. Anticipate the joy. It can be hard to behold joy in our lives. Sometimes, I wrote. Actually, I'll say it many times. 
especially because it doesn't always look the way that we expect it to. Joy doesn't always look the way we want it to. We want joy to be free of worry and free of hardship, and I guess a little easier, but God's word even tells us that joy is found in the midst of and sometimes even because of hard things. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, we read, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I was thinking about this idea of beholding joy, and it's really about recognizing joy. That's another good word we can use. And there's probably a bunch of different things to do and ways that we can do that. But I heard a song recently this year as we've been preparing for a lot of our uh, Christmas, Advent, Sundays, and different musical programs, always looking out for different versions of Christmas music and new songs. So this is a new Christmas song about this idea. If you know who she is, it's written by Ellie Holcomb, and it's called Sounding Joy. And I want to share the lyrics of this song. And so I will read this to us. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> I'll read it, though. Sounding joy. What does joy sound like? Is it quiet like snow? Does joy sound like the laughter of friends that you know? Is joy like the sound of a kiss on your cheek? Or like holding your breath when you play hide and seek? Maybe joy sounds real loud like a hip hip hooray or a whispered I love you at the end of the day. Well, joy sounds a little like all of these things, but a long time ago, joy sounded like wings, sounding joy, joy, joy. If you can imagine on a dark winter's night, the sky filled with angels all shining with light, and suddenly the shepherds and sheep down below were surrounded by songs from that heavenly host. Glad tidings, great joy, we are never alone. God sent his son to make heaven our home. So every Christmas, each girl and each boy could lift up their voice and repeat sounding joy. Sounding joy, joy, joy. Sounding joy, joy, joy. So every Christmas, we string up the lights to remember the way that those angels shone bright. And we sing all the songs and we bang all the drums to remember the day that God sent his son. Glad tidings, great joy, we are never alone. God sent his son to make heaven our home. So every Christmas, each girl and each boy could lift up their voice and repeat sounding joy. Sounding joy, joy, joy. Sounding joy, joy, joy. Sounding joy to the world, the Lord is come. That's an awesome song. And it really grabs this story and this idea of a good news and a great joy. Beholding joy. I think the key is learning to recognize that that kind of joy is only found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus Christ. Jesus is the joy that the angels were talking about in that story. And the shepherds were there to behold him then and you and I can behold him now. In the midst that all is going on in your life, right now, even today, you can have joy in Jesus. Because joy, it's something different, and it's hard to encapsulate. It's different than happiness. It's different than my circumstances and what comes out of that. 
it's kind of hard to explain if we really stop and think about it. One of my favorite modern Christian pastors and writers is a pastor and author named Paul Tripp. I love his stuff. And he writes this in one of his works about joy. I wanted to read this because this is so good. Joy is an inner peace and rest based on what you know to be true, resulting in a life of thankfulness and expectancy. Real joy is not just a feeling. It is a lifestyle. It is not the result of things that are happening around me, but a sturdy rest and peace that I bring to the things around me that change the way I think about and interact with them. Real joy is vertical. It results from being in a personal relationship with the creator and ruler of the universe and resting in his plan for the world. Real joy is rooted in a belief that what God has told you is reliable and accurate. Real joy is rooted in a radical recognition that God is working his unstoppable, wise, and gracious plan and that he will not relent until his will has finally been done. Real joy recognizes that God's victory is your victory. Real joy looks up to God and beyond to eternity, resting in the certainty of his power and his plan, even though things at the moment may be confounding and hard. And when nothing appears to make sense, you can awake with the confident joy that his plan is marching on and that he will win. That's just a little bit. I think, of what joy is. And that helps me begin to reframe and understand this idea of joy. So we have to anticipate joy. We can then behold joy. And we also need to choose joy. Remember I talked about a little sign hanging in our kitchen that I often forget is there. But how do we do that? I think we begin, at least, by choosing paths to joy just in our regular daily lives and interactions through things like gratitude and obedience and a continual abiding in Jesus Christ. And as we do those things, we open ourselves up to being shaped and transformed by God and we will encounter joy as a result. And this is where we can get a little practical and we can look at some of these things and see how they can help lead to joy in our lives. Choose gratitude. Try it. I dare you. <laughs> when you don't feel joyful, give thanks. Try it out loud. Name three reasons you have to be thankful, or five, or ten. Or, if not out loud, start writing them down, if you're a writer. I think you'll be surprised at, at how long your list actually begins to get pretty quickly. All the things that we have to be grateful for. But because I make it about me, in that moment, I'm focused on me. So choosing gratitude, that's gratitude. But we have to do it. And in order to do it, we have to choose to do it. Next, I would say choose to obey. If you want to start getting practical here. In John 15, 11, Jesus said this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. John 15, 11, from the mouth of Jesus himself. So what was it that he told his disciples? He says, I have told you this. What's the this? What's that secret to joy, if you want to call it that? 
It's right in the verse before it. It's obedience. In John 15, verse 10, he told his followers to obey his commands. And then he says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made complete. If we want joy, we obey. And we often want joy to just appear out of nowhere. But that's not what usually happens. And Jesus says it comes from obedience. So that's obedience. And again, I'll say, but we have to do it. We have to actually obey. And in order to do it, we have to choose to do it. We also choose to abide in Christ. The greater context of that chapter in John, John chapter 15, talks about another part of joy. And it's our connection with God. And Jesus says that just as he remains in his Father's love, we remain in his love. And our joy is complete. It's not an immediate, instant gratification kind of a thing. But it's the idea of continual love and continual connection and relationship with Jesus. And that's what brings joy into our lives. In John 15, Jesus is using this metaphor of a, of a vine and fruit. And he was describing a process of ongoing growth and nourishment that produces fruit. And the same is true in our relationship with him. It's ongoing connection to the vine, the source. It's ongoing growth. It's ongoing nourishment. And our joy is made complete in Jesus. That's abiding. But we have to do it. And yeah, you guessed it. In order to do it, we have to choose it. <laughs> and so we choose gratitude and we choose obedience. And we choose to abide in Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we're choosing joy, ultimately. I began earlier today by asking how many of you could use a little bit of joy. And this little card, as I mentioned, it has that verse from Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10 on it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And the idea, it really can build into a strength. I honestly believe that. But just like any strength building, if you want to put it that way, it takes time and it takes intention and it takes practice. The joy may not come in five minutes. It may not come in five days. It might take five weeks or five months or five years. There's not a formula that's going to work the same way for every one of us or in every situation. But with gratitude and obedience and abiding in Christ, you will begin to change. Not always your situation, not always what's going on around you, but you and I will begin to change through those things. There's another song I'm just going to mention. I'm not going to read the whole lyric. But there's a, another song that I've remembered, and it's called Waiting Room. It's by a group, if you're familiar with them, called Shane and Shane, because both the singers are named Shane. Um, and there's a powerful lyric in this song that I love, and it's about this idea. And in that song, they sing this, as just one line of the song. Lord, I know if I change my mind, you will change my heart in time. Lord, I know if I change my mind, you will change my heart in time. 
It's that mental ascent choosing that we have to do and continue to do. And it builds and brings change within us. And the joy of the Lord can become a real strength over time. I do believe that. When we began, I also highlighted another question, right? Do you have joy in your journey or has your journey knocked the joy out of you? And even though I'll admit that I am not always the most joyful person, I do think that joy is supposed to be the normal experience for a Christian's life. I do think that. But again, this happens over time as we grow in our walk with Jesus. It's a, it's a continual thing that takes steps and growth. But there's something deep and beautiful that grows inside us as we do those things as we abide, as we choose to obey. And that's something deep and beautiful that's inside of us and that grows and grows. That's something that a bad day or a disappointment or a hardship in a relationship or at work or a rebellious child or even traffic, yes, that person driving the way they are right in front of me, (laughs) that's something that shouldn't be able to take my joy away from me, even though I've already admitted it does (laughs) in those moments. And so it's my prayer this season of Advent that it would be a time of gratitude and obedience and abiding for you in his love as you anticipate and as you behold and as you choose the joy that brings, excuse me, that Jesus brings this Christmas and always. Amen? Amen.